Hi everyone, I'm Margie Alanese and this is Shining Bright. These are the stories of everyday women who are making ordinary extraordinary. This episode is brought to you by Nationwide. As I've said before, Nationwide is on your side, they're on our side too, and they're on the side of women in agriculture across this country. So they're the number one farm and ranch insurer out there. And uh, many times when I go to farms or ranches, I talk to them about how they manage their risk because it's inherent in me. It's what I what I used to do before Farm Hurt, and I always find it interesting to understand how and and where and why people are managing their risk because it is important. We all have risk of some sort, and on farms it is uh, greater than you know a house sitting in the suburbs because there's so many more moving parts and pieces and. So, you know, it, it's an interesting thing. And if you um, aren't sure about it, we actually, I'll, I'll post a link to this. Um, we had done an insurance 101 because I think it's one of those things that like isn't at the forefront of my mind a lot to talk about how risk is managed. Um, you know, I don't think about calling my insurance agent. Now, granted, I know more about insurance than maybe your average person does, but uh, it's not at the forefront of my mind to be thinking about these things. And in fact, sometimes it's the thing that I want to like push further away because it's the stuff that you worry about and you're kind of scared about and it's the, the things that are easier to push away. But but I can guarantee that it's worth looking at your risks, talking through them, and it will give you a little more peace of mind. So uh, this Insurance 101 uh, from uh, Aaron Cummings, who is a farm underwriter at Nationwide, is definitely worth your time to listen. Uh, I learned a few things, right? And we talk a little bit about the do's, the don'ts, the ins, the outs, the ups, the downs, and uh, what you as just a person in the world might need to know about their risk. So there's something good about that. So thanks to Nationwide for being on our side and on the side of all of you on this episode. So today we're going to talk about an issue again, um, you know, that, that I've had on my radar and let me paint the picture for you. So I go to farms all over this country, you know, from Maine, from the tip top of Maine, all the way down to the very bottom of Arizona, right? You, you can't get two more uh, diverse locations than that. And in every single location, every single state, uh, depending on the farm size, of course, there's somebody helping on that farm. They might be volunteers on a very small farm. They might be paid workers on some of your bigger farms, but there, there's somebody working, not just the person that we're covering, right? Like that person that we're covering, she has a great story and she matters so much. And it's her heart and her soul and her drive that make their farm flourish. But there's so many other parts and pieces uh, behind the scenes that it takes to get the food that that woman and maybe her family grow or raise to our plates. And it has been so clear to me as I um, go across this country, I see the massive amounts of people that are working on farms to uh, maybe harvest, uh, maybe plant, maybe harvest, process, you name it. They're essential, essential pieces in that food getting from that farm to our plates and um, it's so very clear again everywhere I go and it's something that has been evident to me for the last few years and something that I've wanted to talk a little bit more about because a lot of the times those populations are um, you know 
maybe they're immigrants, maybe they are uh, through a worker program, maybe, you know, they're all different types of statuses, right? And most of the time they aren't, um, you know, the same face as the farmer, right? We, we have a lot of diversity in these farm workers. And um, again, it, it's a very broad variety of people. And so it's been important to me to talk about them. And let me um, tell you a story that recently jumped out at me. I was in Yuma, Arizona, and I uh, was with a woman named Lupe, who is going to be on season five of our TV show. And um, Lupe is uh, a very strong, smart, Person. She works in the food safety portion of a very large uh, vegetable and leafy greens growing operation. And, um, you know, like the broccoli that you bought yesterday could have very well come from the farm that Lupe uh, works at. And her parents have been farm workers and she grew up in this industry and uh, she's bilingual. She, again, she, she's awesome. You're going to love her story. But when we were there, um, you know, it was very clear that the, the, you know, tens of hundreds of people working in the fields to harvest the greens and to harvest the cauliflower and the broccoli and, and the things that were growing in the field, the things that needed to be harvested at that time to be able to get to our plates, to our grocery stores, to our homes, you know, the, hundreds of people were working there and I asked her a little bit about those people and again Yuma is very close to the border and so there is a farm worker program where they can cross the border to work in Yuma during the day and she said the typical day for one of these people might look like they get up around 3 a.m. they get on a bus that gets them to the border and then once they get to the border they go to a place where they can pick up a day job, right? So there's people who are who are hiring them for a rate on a daily basis, and then they get on another bus. They wait maybe another hour or two to cross the border, and then they get to the farm maybe early to mid morning. They start working and they work until maybe the sun goes down, and then they get back on that bus and they go back across the border, and then they get on another bus and they go maybe another hour or two back home. And you guys, they have families there. And this is how they're feeding their families. This is how they're they're making an income. And this is maybe their only option to do that. But they're, they're an essential part of the food that gets to all of our plates. And they don't just do that for one day a week or two days a week or five days a week. They do that seven days a week because they have to work when the work is there. And so um, I just want us all to know you know, that every single part of agriculture is essential. Every single part. And it's never been more visible, I think, than it is right now. But it is it is so very important. And so those hundreds of people don't have a lot of choice in whether they get up and go get on that bus every day. They need the food, they need the money, they need the, the to buy food, to pay for shelter, to send their kids to school. And, um, you know, amongst all of this, they're, they're trying to parent and they're trying to have their lives as well, too. And they work so hard in, um, I have so much respect for them. And so that's just one story of what I see. Today, we're going to talk to Daniel Hoffman Zinnel, who is the executive director of Proteus. And it is an organization that supports farm workers in many ways. So let's take it to Daniel. So, okay, Daniel, welcome to Shining Bright. I'm so glad to have you guys with us today. Thank you for having me. 
Yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's just jump right into it. Daniel, um, your title is the executive director of Proteus, is that right? That's right. Wonderful. Okay, so let, let's give everybody a little bit of the lay of the land. Did you grow up on a farm? What's your background as far as agriculture goes? Yeah, I'm a lifelong Iowan. I was born and raised in Northwest Iowa on a farm outside of a tiny town called Pomeroy, which has about 650 people. And I know Calhoun, of Pomeroy. <laughs> do you? Yeah, my parents well, live in Northwest Iowa. Okay, what part? They, Spirit Lake. They live in Spirit Lake. Okay, but so I've you heard drove, of Pomeroy. You, you probably have driven through Pomeroy coming yep. to Des Moines. Uh, but Calhoun County has one stoplight in the entire county, which gives you kind of a, a nice perspective of how rural it is and very flat, very much agricultural, um, uh, huge, huge agricultural community. And both my grandpas were farmers. Uh, my parents farmed. I was very fortunate to grow up on our farm, which was right across the road from my dad's parents' farm. So I saw my grandparents every every day of my life growing up, which is kind of amazing and something that I'm very grateful for. We had um, all of the all of the livestock because back then small farmers had everything. So we had cattle, hogs, sheep, chickens, goats, turkeys, donkeys, horses, everything you could think of. Um, but the primary uh, income came from corn and soybeans. Um, was in 4-H and FFA, am a lifelong Iowa State Fair lover, have never missed an Iowa State Fair in my entire life, and wow. spent a lot of time there showing sheep and cattle at the county fair and also at the Iowa State Fair. So agriculture is part of who I am. It definitely taught me a lot about work ethic and um, just a lot of great skills that I'm able to use today and uh, skills that I'm really grateful for the experience of growing up on on farm. So I'm going to take a stab. Your mom was a farm her then, right? So tell me a little bit That's about your right. mom. <clears throat> uh, one of the strongest people I know, she uh, got pregnant very early with my brother um, and got married to my dad at age 16. <clears throat> and my dad started farming right after he graduated high school. My mom um, still went to high school after having my brother with help from um, both sides of my grandparents. And uh, then had three more kids. So I'm the youngest of four and she had me at age 23. So putting that into perspective, having four four young kids as a young 23 year old is just mind boggling. But she helped my dad on the farm and um, thankfully my gran grandma was right across the road. So I spent a lot of quality time with my grandma and, and very thankful that my mom had the ability to to get out and work and she didn't shy away from anything. She baled hay and baled hay with the best of them. She and I would ride racks and we'd call our city city friends from Pomeroy, some of my football player friends to come out and help and we would last longer. She would last longer than anyone else because that's just how strong she is. And uh, the local co-op would um, joke, but they were very serious that my mom should give clinics on field, cult field cult cultivation because she was a pro and uh, yeah, very grateful for for her and what she, all of the values that she instilled in me and just the the, the legacy that she's left. To I me. love that. Thank you for sharing. Um, of you know, I, I meet people like your mom all the time, but every time I hear about somebody uh, like that, it just warms my heart because they're they're like the fabric, right, of families right. and communities and and agriculture. So many times, so that's that's absolutely awesome. Okay, so Daniel. Tell me a little bit about Proteus. What is Proteus? 
Yeah, we've been around for over 40 years. So quite a while. We started in 1979 in Iowa specifically to provide a program we still operate today. Now it's called the National Farmworker Jobs Program. And we implement that program in Iowa, Nebraska, and Indiana. And it's really a program geared toward helping low-income farm workers. People have done farm work in the past two years, but are really just having a hard time getting by, um, have multiple layers of barriers to achieve success and achieve self-sufficiency for them and their families. So we help them get connected with the ability to upskill and achieve a credential so that they can set themselves up for future success. We provide a lot of wraparound services to them just to help them meet their basic needs and can help with tuition. We pay them a stipend. So you get paid $5 an hour for every hour you spend in class, which is a huge incentive for our clients. But we also have a very high success rate with this program um, in Iowa, especially over 90% placement and retention rates. So that's staying on the job a year after we help them find jobs. And on average, our clients are going from living on public assistance, so food stamps, any other type of public assistance, to now be, being contributors to the tax tax base. And our, on average, are making over $35,000 a year, so a huge return on investment. And then we also, in Iowa, operate an agricultural health program. So we are a healthcare provider specifically for farm workers across the state. We have three clinics. Patients can access care. Des Moines, Fort Dodge, and Iowa City. But a lot of our healthcare is actually mobile, which actually has set us up for um, great success in the current crisis because that's our that's our experience. We go out to where farm workers are at, set up clinics, mobile clinics, and churches, community centers on site where they're doing farm work just to get them access to care. We have a pharmacy so we can bring them prescription drugs and then help connect them to other healthcare resources they might need. We can set up appointments for them with dentists, um, eye, eye exams, any other specialty care, help provide interpretation and transportation to those visits. And then we're also a voucher program so we can help pay for some or part of those services just to increase access. Um, it's additionally across all three states, we do heat stroke, heat stress, and pesticide training for farm workers. And last year alone, we trained over 7,500 farm workers on how to keep themselves safe, which is really important um, because two years ago in Nebraska, we lost a farm worker to heat stroke. So it's life saving information that we are providing to farm workers. And then in Des Moines, we also have a food pantry that's available for anyone to access. Right now it's open Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. We really try to focus on providing food access to our patients and our clients, but it's a resource available to anyone. Um, well, thank you for serving such an important community because um, it, it's been become very clear to me over the last uh, seven years that I've been doing Farm Hers. I've traveled around the country and I go to farms of all sizes. Um, the the very essential part of that food getting planted and usually getting out of the field and getting to the processing plant and then there at the processing plant like these are these are all workers that are somewhat invisible across the food chain mm. but I see them like it in droves in in yeah so much right like I, I could tell a million, I could tell probably what two and a half million. I think I've seen numbers that there's two and a half million farm workers across the country. And yep. so, can you paint a picture of the type of person 
that you guys serve here in the Midwest. So like you don't have to use any names, but can you describe to me like maybe a person that you serve, what their job is, kind of where they came from, what a little bit about them so I mm. can better understand. Yeah, I'll, I'll start in general and then get into a couple of stories. So um, we serve farm workers, people have done farm work in the past two years, and they could be people who grew up with me and people that my dad hires that help him on the farm to some of the larger companies that bring in larger migrant groups to provide the, the work in the summer. Um, so you bring up a really good point, and I'm glad that you are bringing visibility to farm workers because especially uh, the migrants that come up from oftentimes Southern Texas, some come from Mexico, uh, Guatemala, Honduras, El Salvador, but a good chunk of migrant farm workers come from the, the valley in Southern Texas, and they work seven days a week, sunrise to sunset. And unless they're like you who are going out to see them, most people in communities across Iowa don't even realize that there are farm workers living in their backyard because they're going to work before the sun comes up, coming home from work after the sun goes down and then eating, showering, sleeping, and then repeating. So they have no, no ability to really connect with the community. They come here to work and they are the most hardworking, grateful people I have ever worked for and with. Um, so I'm just so grateful for the work that they do. But we have a variety of, of individuals. So uh, in parts of our, our state, we're seeing growing numbers of farm workers that come here and stay. So there's a couple pockets that they are making their community in various parts of our state, which is really great and exciting for us to see them want to set roots and allow for their kids to connect and, and go to school and just be part of the broader community. And so we go to those communities very often um, to connect with them and provide health care. Most of them um, in those communities are, are working in um, chicken, turkey, hog confinement type of work or eggs. Um, so that's the type of work for individuals that oftentimes stay here. And then we have a large number that come up here to do detasseling. And we have larger migrant camps, a couple of them in our state where they live on site, live with each other, um, and go out and do detasseling for a good chunk of the summer. And then some of them stay and do corn sorting, that sort of thing. But then most of them follow the migrant stream and go up to Minnesota, Michigan, over to Indiana or Ohio, and sometimes even down to Florida and then back to their, their home base in Southern Texas. Yeah. And, and um, just to like, for anybody who doesn't know, Iowa is one of, if not the largest egg producer in the country, right? So you're talking That's right. a massive amount of people that it takes and pork too, you know? So yeah. while we don't see these people, they're very prevalent and evident once you go inside a facility that, that uh, quite honestly, regardless of the type of pork you buy or where you buy it, like it's, it's probably yeah. been... Uh, touched at some point by by one of these people's hands, right? So that's right. It's, that's it's exactly very, right. um, very, very, very important uh, in in the larger food chain for sure. So um, we've talked a little bit about this, but in you talking about Proteus and and what you guys offer, but can you tell me about some of the the very real needs and uh, things that that these farm workers face on a regular basis like what's their day-to-day -day, uh situation a lot of things <laughs> um 
Yeah, there's a, there's a lot that they, they are experiencing. Some experience the fear of deportation because we have some farm workers who are undocumented or uh, many, many households who have mixed documentation statuses where maybe one person is undocumented and others um, are documented. And so there's still that fear because there's just a lot of unknown. Um, and then there's still some some racism that that individuals experience across communities within the entire country. And so that is, is definitely something that that is, is a day to day kind of experience, unfortunately, for some farm workers. But many of them are, are trying to meet basic needs. And I think we can learn a lot from them right now in the current crisis because they they live this, unfortunately, most days where they're trying to figure out how to pay rent or pay certain bills, get groceries, provide for their family. And this is not something that's new to them. So I think there's a lot we can learn from them and really um, force it really forces us to look at our own privilege that we have with having a job or having a steady income, having a home that uh, we don't have to move from, um, those sorts of things. But I think farm workers are, are very proud people and it's hard to ask for help. Um, so we're, we're trying to do our, our due diligence to be proactive and reaching out to them to offer any help, support, even just to take their mind off the current situation, which I think all of us can can use on a daily basis. And one of our case managers asks each and every one of her clients and the farm workers she interacts with, what's one thing that's, that's making you smile today? So just giving them pause to think about um, things that we're all grateful for, but to also just appreciate the work that they're doing because they truly are putting their lives on the line right now to help supply our food chain, which we should all be grateful for and really um, challenge all of us to help protect them and put it, put forth recommendations that is going to help prevent spread of COVID-19 and, and mitigate the risk. And, and I think you touched on something that strikes me um, whether it's farm workers, whether it's grocery store workers, anywhere along the food chain right now, unfortunately, some of the people who are the most in crisis and the most in need on a regular basis outside of this are the ones that are on the front lines, right? Like, like they right. have to show up to work every day and they don't get a choice. They don't have the savings. They don't have the, the support systems in place that maybe uh, you or I are blessed to have here, right? And, yeah. it, and yeah. so I think it is something not just for today and this crisis, there I go again, I need a, a Kleenex. I told you this is gonna happen. Um, not just for today, but in the long term, like the, the, the necessity of, of making sure that they have access to healthcare and that they have access to the things that they need to have a normal stable life. Right, which which we're all like right. all of a sudden seeing uh, in the rest of our world. Yeah, all all of them deserve the same dignity and respect each and every one of us have on a daily basis, and some of them aren't aren't even eligible for the stimulus package that's coming out. Some can't file for unemployment, and many of them, the work that they do, they're not eligible for vacation, and so unfortunately, sometimes they have to put themselves in put each other uh, at risk um, because either you show up and, and work or you don't get paid. And that's that's real for them and the experiences they go through. Uh, thankfully, some employers are stepping up. And I think this 
really brings attention to some of the inequities that are happening across our country, which is one silver lining and hopefully proactively we can address these things moving forward so that we're not in the same place again if, if and when we have another crisis in the future. But the ability for people like farm workers to continue each day doing the farm work, going to work, and still have smiles on their face and still say thank you for all the work that we do is, is something that all of us at Produce, are, it just fills, fills our hearts up. Yeah, for sure. Well, um, I, it cheers to the, the people that you serve for all that they do for all of us, whether we know it or not. And That's so right. on that note, um, how you get these services, you know, you mentioned medical services, uh, whether it's a pharma pharmacy or actual health care. Um, can you describe to me a little bit more about how you actually get these services to to the people in their communities that they're in mm. spread around like these tiny towns, right? Uh, yeah. All around the Midwest. We use uh, nurse practitioners within our healthcare delivery. So we have one full-time nurse practitioner and then about 11 part-time TPRN healthcare providers throughout the state. And we'll go on site to the two largest growers in the summer twice a week. And we'll set up a clinic in space that they provide us. One of them is actually a laundry room. So we'll set up a temporary clinic where we can see patients. Um, and usually we're seeing patients in the evening. We can't see them when they're working. So we go there and set up clinics in the evening, 6 or 7 p.m. at night, and sometimes stay there until midnight because we want to make sure that they have access to care. And then other communities we set up in churches. So churches will give us space or a, a local partner will give us a, a space where farm workers can come to us and we can provide them health care in a private setting. Um, but we use our space in the outdoors as much as possible. Uh, we try to do as much as we can using the space we're giving. And so it, it's not surprising if you might see us at a picnic table with a patient doing a health history or doing vitals outside and then sending them to the provider in a private space to um, access healthcare that way. So you said that you are reaching out to people um, if, if they are too proud to come to, to somebody for help, right? Uh, do you go through employers to do that? Do you go through the, the farm operations itself? Like, tell me a little bit about how you get to the people that you serve. Um, yes, to all of that. So there's there's some large employers that we work directly with and we can get access to their farm workers and they like um, our services because we're providing them access to healthcare and additional resources. So the employers um, really enjoy our services. And then we also connect with crew leaders. So some employers will contract with a crew leader who will then hire a crew. Um, so we'll contact crew leaders to get connection with farm workers. And then word of mouth is just huge within uh, the community. And so we hear from many farm workers just through word of mouth from each other. And so we've been just reaching out to, especially some of our at-risk patients who are um, diabetic, uh, hypertension, and have maybe some of the risk factors that would make them more likely to experience um, awful symptoms for COVID-19. So we wanna make sure that we're really starting with them first. Um, but yeah, I can't say enough about word of mouth getting around. What are some things that, uh, for the farmers listening to this, who might have one worker that helps them part-time or they might have hundreds, right? It, it really runs the gamut because farms look so different across this country. What is, um, are, are some things that farmers can do 
to help help their workers not just today or tomorrow, but this is this is here for a while, right? This is this yep, is our new normal. Right. Well, I will say one thing that changed within our regulations a couple of years ago was the ability for us to serve farmers as well. So anybody that does farm work is eligible for our healthcare services and we are on a sliding fee scale. So you pay based on your income and it's all self-attestation for when you come access services. But for employers, there are definitely recommendations out there on providing adequate um, sanitation stations and food water or food washing, hand washing stations, um, enough time for breaks so that people can maintain that social distancing. Um, maybe adapting the work so that people are able to keep within um, over six feet from each other, providing face masks. We just launched today a face mask campaign for um, anyone to donate handmade face masks to five of our locations that we will distribute to farm workers just to add an additional barrier to help protect them. Um, but there are many great resources out there for employers to really consider um, one one great thing would be paid leave. That's a, a, a very important piece to really encourage people to stay home if and when they are sick and not have to worry about making uh, making them come in to get a paycheck. So helping helping mitigate risk that way. Yeah, it it's uh, a whole like barrage of, of changes in, in the things that we all need to think about regardless of what side of the spectrum you're on. Um, and so what are some changes that you guys are making um, additionally to be able to help? I mean, I know, you know, telehealth has become a word yeah. that we all know so much better uh, recently, right? With changes in, in how providers can, can give support to I anybody, right? So um, are there things that you guys are doing to better um, uh, provide access and, and care? Absolutely. Um, thankfully, our, our funding sources and the federal government have loosened some of the requirements on our um, Federal Torx Claims Act, which is our malpractice insurance, to allow us to use telehealth as a resource. So we are gearing up and are providing healthcare through telehealth, which is something that I'm hopeful that will stick at, a, at, at the end of this as well, because it just increases access for so many of our farm workers who are in rural parts of our state and country to not have to travel to get to healthcare or have us travel to them. But it also helps to prevent exposure and spread of COVID-19 because we can help treat you by not having to be in close contact with you. We can treat you by like what we're doing right now. And we were using Zoom, which is HIPAA compliant, as a resource for patients to see our, our healthcare providers face to face. And that's definitely an important part to healthcare, being able to, to see each other. Daniel, um, so again, thank you to what your organization does to really um, hold up such an, again, I can't say it enough. Like I, I've been telling people for years, I go to farms and I, I see it so very clearly. And, and you know, from all layers in the farm are important. And, and we usually cover the person who maybe uh, owns or operates or uh, has some role in the operation. But then there's this whole slew of, of people along this yeah. chain that matters so very much so that, you know, I could have my apple this morning or I could have my, uh, blueberries or, or whatever it is, right? Like my eggs, my, my peppers, yeah. it, it all, it all really matters. Um, so 
Is there anything else that you'd like to leave our audience with as we talk about this group of people and uh, maybe what, what you've learned from them, what you take from them on a daily basis? Who? Um, <laughs> well, I, I think I would challenge each and every one of us when, when we eat to remember how we got that food and to really be thankful for the work that farm workers do each and every day so that we have food on the table. We started an event last fall in November to kind of pay homage to farm workers in the month of Thanksgiving and really highlight the fact that without farm workers, we wouldn't have anything to be thankful for around Thanksgiving. And I think that that gratefulness is something that we need right now in and that joy that farm workers bring to to our lives at Proteus each and every day is something that I'm I'm very grateful for. Well, thank you. Um, how can people, whether whether they're a farmer or they're a farm worker, they know somebody, they just want to find out more, how can they find out more about you? Proteusinc.net or give us a call 1-800-372-6031. Awesome. Well, Daniel, thank you again for the work that you do. This has been um, a pleasure to get to share a little bit of your story and uh, the, the very important role that you guys play for all of, all of those essential people out there. Thanks for helping us raise visibility about farm workers. I hope you all enjoyed the discussion with Daniel about farm workers. And I think now more than ever, it is clear that they are such an essential part of our food system and something that we all need to realize is there and think about how we can help them help, um, you know, think about them, give help to them, um, you know, and, and I think the other important thing to realize is this isn't a problem just at the border. This isn't a problem uh, or something to consider just in a state like California or Florida where there's, you know, maybe a larger amount of farm workers. This is in every state and it can be in every community. And, you know, I talk about this story where my daughter came home last year and was talking about a little girl in her class who was there in the spring and then gone in certain times of the year. And it came out that her parents are migrant workers and they work on farms and they move a lot because of that. And they had two primary locations in the United States they go back and forth between. And so this young girl, uh, switches schools a lot and so you know the discussions about what her life might look like and how different that is from from yours or ours and what we all can do to think about and help support her maybe in the differences that she has in, in trying to uh, be a part of our community and of that school too you know so realize that it could be your neighbor it could be um, the person that you pass on the street it could be the face at the grocery store you know they, they are people uh, out there in the world and there's two and a half million of them. So again, something to think about in how we can support and and what you can know about these uh, very important people. So with that, one thing I want to leave you with, Proteus has launched a face mask for farm workers campaign. You can see it on their Facebook page. We'll share a link to that in the show notes here. And I think the really important thing is that that we know now, again, more than ever, that 
these people that do the work on farms and in uh, you know factories and anywhere along that food supply chain are so very essential um, to all of us having food on our plates every day and it's important that they stay safe as well. And so Proteus has launched a campaign asking people to make and donate face masks. So if any of you out there have your sewing machines out and you've been working on them maybe in your communities, it's something you can think about in Iowa, Indiana, and Nebraska, the Proteus offices, you can arrange to drop off face masks and uh, get those into the hands of those people who need them the most. So again, check out Proteus's Facebook page. You can check out their hashtag, face masks for farm workers, and the link here in the show notes to be able to donate a mask as well, because uh, one mask can go a long way in helping someone stay safe. So thank you for joining us here on Shining Bright.